Uh, welcome to the Applesford District Planning Committee meeting. Um, just for the record, we are being recorded, so I would ask everybody to make sure their mobile phones are turned off. There are no planned fire alarms, so if it does go off, please make your way outside in an orderly manner. We have um, apologies from Councillor Lemon only, I believe, and Councillor Riles is kindly sitting in for us today. Mr Brown, we have uh, Matt Bradley from uh, Essex Highways, also in attendance. Yes, Matt Bradley here for the, will be here for the, I think, probably the first and the item three and item six. Okay, thank you for that. Um, has anybody, uh, everybody read the minutes? Any comments or notes from the previous? Sorry? Yeah, I'm doing that in a minute. Do the minutes first. <coughs> Everybody happy with the minutes from last time? Yeah, can I sign those off? Okay, thank you very much. Any declarations of interest? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You got that, Ben, yeah? Okay. Okay, with that, we will move on to the first item on today's agenda, which is the New World Timber Frame Gravel Dean. Application UTT 172334, full application, and uh, Luke Mills will take us through that. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. The application site is located off London Road, Great Chesterford. It has been cleared of previous development and construction work has begun in connection with a recently granted planning permission. That's for 42 dwellings. The application seeks to vary two conditions on the permission. A variation to the approved plans condition is sought to enable minor amendments to the design of the scheme, including the insertion of three additional flats in the roof spaces of the approved apartment buildings, shown on this plan here and here, with the road here on the top right of the plan. Additional parking spaces would be provided to reflect the increase in demand and the variation to the Section 106 agreement would secure one of the three flats as an affordable home. There would be little change to the external appearance of the buildings, the main change being the addition of dormer windows to the apartment buildings, shown on these two slides. The applicant also seeks to vary a condition that requires the provision of an off-site combined footway and cycleway. Since the permission was granted, the Highway Authority has increased its minimum standard for shared use cycleways, which means the approved structure is suitable as a footway only. It, it therefore raises no objections to the proposed variation, which removes any reference to a cycleway. As set out in my reports, all relevant planning policies and material considerations have been considered and it is recommended that, planning, uh, that the application be approved. Thank you, Luke. Um, we have some speakers on this application, so I'm going to take um, Julie Redfern first. Councillor Redfern, if you'd like to take the stand. You have five minutes, Julie. Thank you. 
Julie Mike. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. This site has a long um, history um, of Great Chesterford, and I'm really pleased to see that the development is underway. And we do, um, we have a, uh, the parish council. We have a good relationship with the um, developer on this site. Um, myself and um, Joanna Francis worked very hard with the previous owners to bring this site forward, and there was quite a few things that were important to us as a as a village. And I think some of these things are being lost in um, translation. One of the things was we had a housing needs survey done for Great and Little Chesterford and um, we came to an agreement with the previous um, owner of the site um, that these, the, the affordable housing on this particular site would be for local connection and in the, somehow in the agreements that UDC have come up with we have got um, local connection um, followed by a cascade, but it's just for Great Chesterford and it should be Great or Little Chesterford, not just Great Chesterford. And that is really important because we work together to bring this forward and um, I think um, we would very much like to see that amended on the um, agreement. Um, I'm really pleased to say that uh, the developer has um, agreed to put in a small play area for us as well, which is something we're very appreciative of. Um, and neither I nor the Parish Council um, object to the additional um, flats, but when we looked at this before, um, this, we were told that this site couldn't have a second floor because it didn't have a lift. And now, apparently, we can have a second floor without a lift. And I don't really see how... I, I, I don't understand why that's um, acceptable. Um, it's not an existing building, it's a, it's a new building, so I, I, I don't understand why that is that, but I, as I said, we have worked well with the developer, but I am beside myself with um, upset, rage, name, whatever you like to call it, with Essex Highways. I'm sorry, Matt, that you're here to defend yourselves, but in 2004, we, we've been looking for a cycle path from Great Chesterford to Saffron Walden for years, and in it, it's very important to us. In fact, it would join us with the end of the Cambridge um, to Ickleton cycle path, and we would be able to go all the way from Cambridge to Saffron Walden. And we've had members of our parish council come and go, and we've worked really hard. In 2014, a feasibility study was done and paid for, and it was with Essex County Council. And then um, in two, January 2015, UDC here, the um, approved it to be part of our strategy and it has gone to all various um, authorities and we've all approved it. Now we have a situation where Essex has changed their mind on what is acceptable as a um, cycle way. I mean, it was very, this was the first part of something that we've been after for a very long time and now apparently it's not suitable as a cycle path, it's only suitable as a footpath. Well, I'm sorry, that's just a bit of a joke to us really. We've already got a footpath there, we don't need another footpath, we need the cycle way. And I plead with this committee, please, to uphold that condition. Um, it's not acceptable to, to do all of this work go through the process, we all know how long it takes to get a cycle path. It's not fair on a parish council like ours or a district council to, for Essex to, in, in one breath, <coughs> say yes, they agree with it, and, on, and once we've got it, they've now changed their mind. And I, don't, I also don't want to see this be something that is a problem for the 
developer of this site either that some delay is caused because Essex County Council have changed their minds. I'm really interested to understand how that's acceptable, but I plead with this committee to um, refuse to vary that condition. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councillor Redfern. Um, I'll come back to some of the points you've raised in a minute. Uh, Joanna Francis. Joanna, you have three minutes. Thank you. Um, I'm a resident of Great Chesterford and I'm wondering how that something that started with such good intentions many years ago ended up with this. We had an identified local need for small apartments and houses, had an eyesore of dilapidated nursery greenhouses and a local business that suffered from a fire. The parish council, district councillor and the original applicant worked hard to reach a compromise on this site. The result was a little too dense, not quite enough parking and had no play area. But finally, we could help those in Great and Little Chesterford that could not afford to leave home. Those on lower incomes, those that suffered from a marriage breakdown or simply wanted to downsize. Now, many years later, we have a developer whose interest is profit, not people. Profit is not a planning consideration, but the detrimental effects of this application are. Putting aside the recent shenanigans with Plot 5, this plot now has an application to change an approved three-bed into a four-bed. To meet the parking requirements, they have put three parking spaces in a line up the side of a house. There is good reason this parking arrangement isn't in the Essex Design Guide, but it didn't rate a mention in the officer's report. This will not be practical or used and lead to on-road parking. Please refuse. There are plans to raise the ridge height of plot four. I can't prove that it will be made into an extra bedroom, but what might happen is not a planning matter but you could remove the permitted development rights to ensure that if they make a change after this application has been determined, they will need to apply for planning approval to ensure there is three usable parking spaces. Moving on to the three extra flats, in order to make it look like the parking issues are not much worse than the approved deficit, they have counted the garages in the townhouses. These garages were too small in the previously approved application to be accounted in the provision. In order to make the garages look like usable garages, they put rear access paths to the mid-terrace properties so that people will be able to store their bins in their back garden. However, that was what the small garages were to be used for, and the new paths are making gardens of the adjacent plots unacceptably small. The cumulative effect of the already now approved deficit and the new deficit must be considered. There is a total deficit of seven spaces now. Existing visitor spaces will already need to be used if there are couples in one-bedroom flats with two cars. Three more one-bedroom flats add to this problem. There is no visitor parking in the front half of the site and some of the parking courts have no visitor spaces at all. Why do they not have to meet either past or current building regulations and install a lift in the three-storey apartment buildings they are now proposing? Please put people before profit and refuse this application which is over development of this site. Thank you. Thank you very much, Joanne. Um, we'll now hear from uh, Peter Stocking. Peter, three minutes. Good afternoon. My name is Peter Stocking. I am Managing Director of the Applicant Enterprise Property Group. Uh, we are a local residential developer based in Whittlesford who specialise in small to medium sized bespoke developments. I believe that through our approach to engagement with local planning authorities and parish councils, and in particular, Uttlesford and Great Chesterford, we've been able to establish very good working relationships with Great to create a proactive approach on our schemes. 
You'll be aware from the site visit this morning that we're already on site in London, at London Road and are looking hard, looking, are working hard to deliver the new properties from mid-2018 through to 2019. I'm pleased to note that the planning officer has recommended approval of this application and although we welcome that view, I'm aware that this application may have created some concerns, so I wanted to be here today to clarify certain key points and, if necessary, answer the questions that may arise from the debate. The first element is the application, of, the application refers to predominantly to additional units to the approved scheme. We are proposing to form an additional three dwellings within the roof space to the blocks of flats, which we see as an efficient use of the available space to help provide the much-needed units that are currently very much in the news. Two of these will be private and one will be affordable, adding to the 17 affordable units that we are already providing. These additional units have been designed in a sympathetic manner with the addition of dormers and carefully, uh, roof lights carefully positioned to prevent the potential overlooking issues to the neighbouring amenity spaces, a point that was fundamental to the discussions we had at the pre-app stage back in May this year. The proposals do not materially increase the ridge or east height of the approved scheme but utilise the larger roof voids that are currently permitted. We have reviewed the parking provision and demonstrated that additional parking can be sensitively located within the site and also that there is sufficient <coughs> private and public open space to cater for the increase in density. As an aside, as Julie mentioned, we have already uh, agreed with the Parish Council to provide some play equipment, but this is uh, separate to this current application. The second element of the application refers to the issues raised by highways over the description of the new path that we are constructing as part of the approved scheme. We made contact with highways in March to progress the 278 agreement required for the construction of the new two-metre-wide shared footpath slash cycleway referred to in the approved planning conditions. The new path was to be in accordance with uh, Essex Highway's own cycle route feasibility study carried out in 2014. Having made contact with highways, it came to light that the proposed two-metre-foot slash cycleway that had been proposed did not actually comply with their own technical standards anymore, and as such, the path would actually have to be at least 2.5 metres wide to comply. Unfortunately, there is not 2.5 metres available width along the length of the proposed stretch of path, so consequently, it can only be formally designated as footway. Acknowledging this physical constraint, we were advised by the planning officer to make an application to formally address this anomaly. This is not an attempt on our part to change the principle of constructing a new path along the road and I can confirm that we are already well into the detail of the 278 and hope to commence work on the pathway in January 2018. What we will be building has not changed from the original planning approval, it is simply called something else as I understand it. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you very much Mr Stocking. Um, we have no other speakers on this so... Uh, I'm just going to ask um, Luke to address a couple of the points that have been raised. Um, uh, lift or no lift? <coughs> Requirement for a lift? Um, so the, when the permission was granted, we were using the lifetime home standard that required that a lift be provided for um, where it was more than two storeys. Okay, so at that stage, there was nothing more than two storeys, so there was no need for a lift. So it's approved on that basis. Since then, the accessibility standards have changed, and we now apply the new optional requirements in the building regulations, which on that point are actually more stringent, and that's for anything more, it's flats in buildings of anything more than one storey. So the logic that's been applied in the officer's report here at paragraph 11.10 um, says that if we were to impose the, the standard for the lift, 
on this. We're effectively retrospectively applying it to the approved building, which goes beyond what we can do with this variation condition application. Because all we can look at here is the variation. So what's already been and gone before is already there. So what's already in place is a, a two, um, yeah, a two-story building with no lift. Uh, for my sake, rather than everybody yeah. else's, if we're adding the third, the second story, if you like, yeah, hasn't that changed the criteria that you have to apply? Therefore, should it not be treated in its own right as now a ground floor, first floor, second floor? How, how do you mean, sorry? Yes, there are three floors. There's a ground floor, first floor, second floor. Is the current requirement for that on the three floors, does it have to have a Yeah, lift? so if this were just applied for as it, just a new yeah. three-storey... Yeah, if you take it from that point of view, if it's just a new three-storey apartment block, then the requirement would be, with the new standards, that a lift needs to be provided, and one is not proposed. Okay. I don't know if I've clarified anything there, but there we go. <coughs> okay. Um, Part of the scheme has two two-story apartments already. Is that right? Or it doesn't? Both apartment blocks are currently two stories. Yeah, that's what I They would become three stories. So to clarify that issue, what we are basically doing, the, the stat, had we had that application from fresh today, which we haven't, for two-story so two apartments, the standards would have required us to provide a lift. We're now applying a third story on top, and so we are sort of, it's a bit of both. We, you know, we've got the standard that requires a lift now, but what we are also doing by doing that is retrospectively imposing it later on. That's for members to discuss, to be honest, but that is the officer's judgment was practically not to retrospectively impose that was the decision that we did in recommending it. But as we say, that is a recommendation. <coughs> Councillor Ryles first. Um, did you use the word optional in building rates earlier in, yeah. your, dis in your description? So this doesn't have to be applied, does it? The lift doesn't have to go in. Um, okay, yeah, option. It doesn't have to be put in place. It is optional, really. As well, to how you interpret the rules because of this, this application to change, yeah? It doesn't mean optional in that context. So what, what the optional standards are is um, they're over and above the usual building regulations standards. Okay. We use our adopted supplementary planning document on accessible homes and play space, which is the thing that brought lifetime homes into the mix. That is our trigger, that, that is our justification for applying the optional building regulation standards on accessibility. So that means we're able to seek enhanced accessibility compared with the actual building regs as standards. And that's and one of those optional standards is the, is the addition of a lift. You know what I'm going to say. Yeah, but if we optionally, if we make the decision as authority to optionally <coughs> impose them, they're then a standard. They're, they're not, not an option for that particular development. No, no, no. The, option, the developer the has no option. It's, it's put forward. We have made that decision to optionally impose those. Right. And then the developer then, as part of complying with the regs, needs to comply with that. The option's not there, the option's there. Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, Mr Chairman, it was good to see that the 
developments underway. I'm also very pleased to hear this good relationship between the developers and the authorities. Um, and being on site today was quite helpful in this issue. There are a couple of issues. In fact, there are a number of issues. Um, small issues, they have apparently, but a number of them all nonetheless. The question of lift to me seems pretty straightforward. You either um, accept the new brakes or the old brakes. If you accept the old brakes, you need a lift. And if you accept the new ones, you need a lift if you go to three stories. So we need a lift. Um, the question about whether we define a cycle path or a footpath is a little moot if you haven't got two and a half meters to, to build it. Um, and I think this is something that needs to be solved, particularly if you talk about a, 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 a cycle path that extends from South Walden to, to Cambridge, which I think we all want. I think it's also important, as mentioned by one of the speakers, that the local connector should be extended to Little Chesterfield as well. These are small um, ratifications which need to be made rather than make small mistakes. And it's good to hear that a small play area has been included. But then I look at the, the three tandem garage spaces, um, and on page something or other, there's uh, 36 square meters of private amenity space instead of the minimum 50 square meters. And I've said before, it's a minimum 50. So when you go to 49, it falls foul of this issue. And I'm not sure you want to be compromising those issues. Um, so all in all, there's so many small areas that I would suggest we should appeal to the good relationship between the developer and the authorities, reject this application, and uh, start again. Maybe we can, we can build something we really want at the end. OK. Uh, Councillor Chambers and then Councillor Freeman. Uh, Mr Chairman, thank you. Um, I come back to, uh, first of all, the issue of the lifts. We gave permission originally for two storeys without a lift. This must be a new application because it's a variation. It wasn't there to start with. Now, because it's a variation and it wasn't there to start with, surely we should make sure that there is a lift on the, with the variation. So I, I think you're a little bit it's difficult for the officers, I know, I realise, because it's one way or the other, but if that's the case, and they, didn't get, they got permission when there was only two storeys, then now it's three, they should have a lift. Secondly, and perhaps more importantly as far as I'm concerned is, it's this issue with Essex County Council. Now, I believe we have an Essex County Council officer here. When you agree to do something, or the developer agrees to do something with um, the parish council with regard to cycleways, then if at the time it is agreed, and I think it was agreed that a, foot, uh, a cycle path would be put in, then that has been agreed between the Essex County Council. Essex County Council can then not come along after the Parish Council, having spent quite a considerable amount of money making sure that they've got everything in order, and say, oh, we've changed the, the rules. You can't do this now. Now, there are reasons why I think that's wrong. A, as Councillor Fairhurst said, with the cycle path, you can't get two and a half metres now, but two and a half metres is only, I think by my reckoning, 18 inches short. Where you can't get two metres five, then surely there is some way that you can overcome 18 inches. We're getting stupid now. With regard to the parking on there, it must be important that you have sufficient parking because if you look towards the future, you're not going to have less parking, not in 
Grable Little Chesterford, you can have more parking. So the parking is important. So I think for those reasons, to start with, uh, I would certainly wish this to be rejected. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Uh, <coughs> many of the points that I wanted to raise have been covered in some form or another. But I would refer you to page 14, item 11.10. Requirement M42 requires the provision of a lift. Requirement M42 requires. It's not optional, it requires. Now, okay, you can play with words, but to me, requires is requires. Now, this application has come before us because the developer, uh, for various reasons, wants to get more properties in there. Uh, they want to reorganise this, that and the other, and that's fine. If you don't want the um, requirement to be applied, because in the previous occasion, when your consent was granted back in 2014, it wasn't then a requirement, then you don't bring it back to this committee in 2017 and hope that it plays according to 2014's rules. It just isn't like that. If you bring it back in 2017, you play according to the law in 2017. That's the situation as far as I'm concerned. I do remember when people were building um, these one, two, three floor uh, blocks of flats, usually as affordable housing. Um, I campaigned when I was on this committee previously to get lifts in, and we were told, oh no, there's no requirement for lifts, so you know, you don't have them. But now there is a requirement. Concerning the, um, so I, I don't actually have a problem with putting more properties on this site. I do have a problem with putting an extra floor in and then trying to make it out that you're doing this under 2014 regulations. I think if you took that to a court of law, it would probably find that 2017 regulations apply. It needs to be tested. Uh, concerning the cycle path, I use uh, a cycle a lot, and uh, Britain is outstanding in not having adequate cycle paths. And that particular road is a hazardous one to cycle along. It's not good. Um, and the point, I think, is that we should not agree to just take the word cycle off, as is suggested here, because then the responsibility for fatality falls squarely at the door of us with District Council that agreed to a modification of the planning consent that said footway or walkway or whatever, uh, not cycleway. If Essex County Council insists that it can't be a cycleway, that then is the responsibility of Essex County Council. And any fatalities that come about as a consequence of it are their responsibility. But it shouldn't be the responsibility of this chamber. We voted, this chamber in 2014 voted, for a cycleway. And that's the way it should remain. Jim. Okay, I'm just going to clarify one thing. I'd like to try and treat these as two separate issues, if you like, because they come up as two separate conditions. So I'm just going to ask Mr Brown to clarify a few points and then I'll take Councillor Lowe. I'll leave the cycleway for a second because Mr Bradley's here, he can, he can do that bit and I can mop up afterwards. Back to the lift again. Um, you're quite right, you've picked up there is a, there is a requirement to, impose, to put in a lift if we as a planning authority take the option of imposing it here. Um, it's, we don't have to do it and I think officers here have made the practical solution of bearing in mind this is a change to an original permission that was already granted. So it is within your gift to impose that should you wish to do that today. So you, you know you could, because we are considering a change to an application that brings in the third story, you could actually say actually we're, we're okay with that, 
but uh, we want this optional requirement to be added to this. And you may have to, you know, you need to work out whether you want to, I would suggest you specifically specify the, uni the two units that we're talking about here, the two changed units, because it is wrong for us to retrospectively oppose it on the rest of the site, because there are two, you know, there may be other parts of the, because if you do it, it could be very, very dangerous because this development was designed pre the changes that have been made to part of the road and eggs. But that is, that, the, 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 that could, and that is what's been built today. But the specific changes, and officers, members are quite right, you can make that judgment. I think officers have correctly taken the practical solution and decided not to suggest imposing it, but it's within your gift to add a condition regarding those optional requirements regarding that plot. And then that would, that would then bring the lift in on this particular issue. Because that's a fair, that's a fair discussion for members. I'll, I'll leave the cycle away, because obviously we've got um, Matt Bradley here. Okay. Um, Mr. Bradley, okay, would you like to address us on how we might get over the problems with the second condition? Thank you, Chairman. Uh, good afternoon, members. Um, essentially, what, what has occurred here is that a, a feasibility study was um, was done in 2014, has already been pointed out, regarding the, uh, the, the Great Chesterton Cycleway. I think this was done following some sort of local highways panel um, uh, agreement to, to sort of look at options for, for cycling around uh, Chesterford and also it sort of went hand in hand with the Uttlesford Cycle Strategy produced in 2014 in the lead up to the then local plan that was heading for examination later that year. Um, at the time of the application, uh, an officer in my team sort of recognised that this was in the offing and, and before the report was actually finally published, we did uh, make reference to it in our recommendation which has led to the condition which is contained um, in, in the grant of planning consent for the site. What has happened now is that we've, um, uh, and I mean that report is feasibility, so what would normally follow from a feasibility report is a detailed design and then we would look at things in a great, greater detail and there would also be safety audit procedures that would follow that. In this particular circumstance, it's, it's moved to uh, 278, the developers come forward, we've, we've looked at 278 and our office, our office looking at that has identified two metres as being a, a, a sort of a very restricted um, width upon which to cycle and that is, that's purely, purely practical reasons um, for that, you know, it's the ability for two cyclists to pass each other or a cyclist to adequately pass a pedestrian, that kind of thing, in proximity to a road. Now I think what we're suggesting here is that, that the, the works are still carried out to form a, a surface area to two metres, so essentially um, there's no change there. It's just that what we're suggesting is that it's not called a cycleway. It's, it will act as a footway and it will, be, it will provide you know, increased, um, increased area for you know, pedestrians to pass up and down, particularly down to the railway station. The actual section we're talking about forms one part of what is a seven-stage scheme. Um, and I think that before Essex commit wholly to um, putting the cycle along this route, I want to take the opportunity to review whether this provision is the right provision at that location. There's a couple of things that have happened since the original feasibility report was written in 2014. In 2016, Essex launched a, a county-wide cycling strategy, um, and that led to the appointment of a, a sort of a cycling lead officer who works under the Essex Highways contract and is in the process of producing with his, with his team of people and engineers 
a uh, cycle action plan um, for uh, most of the districts around um, around Essex, including Uttlesford, and that will help to inform and lead into sort of uh, the local plan um, when that comes forward in due course. So what I'm suggesting here is that we're sort of essentially taking a, a kind of step back and a review of the situation um, to make sure that it is the right provision at the right location here. Um, now, in my view, uh, from a practical point of view, um, what you've got is uh, what is essentially the old A11 road running uh, running through Great Chesterford at this point. It's a very wide road. It was obviously improved at its time prior to the M11 coming along, and, and therefore we've left, been left with a legacy for that. And I think in some respects, some of the solutions here may be, if we were to provide an off-road provision, may be to actually look at moving curbs out into the carriageway and kind of... Uh, reallocating the road space at this location in terms of providing more um, more room for cyclists and therefore achieving a greater width of cycleway at this location um, than, than the two metres which has been referred to in the feasibility report. Another alternative may be to look at kind of volumes of traffic um, through Chesterford um, against speeds of vehicles and that kind of thing and seeing if an off-road cycle route is indeed the right solution at this point of the cycleway, not for the entire cycleway because I know that the cycleway passes through um, some 50 mile per hour speed limits and national speed limits on this on this journey. Um, so, um, but I, I just want to assure members that we're not Essex County Council aren't walking away from cycleway provision. I've been in touch with uh, Chris Radley, who is the appointed cycle officer, and I know that in conjunction with colleagues from our strategy engagement team, um, he's been looking at uh, funding. Um, allocations for sort of advanced design and I can, I can assure members that Great Chesterford is on there for further feasibility work to be carried out in terms of reviewing the appropriate cycleway through Great Chesterford. So I think that sort of summarises my position on it and I, I don't think in many respects that it, other than the fact we're not calling it a cycleway, I mean the, the width of the cycleway provision will still be there. So if at the end of all of this that's what we went back to, um, that we haven't lost anything. That length of cycleway is still in place, but I don't feel that two metres is adequate um, in, in terms of here. And I think that what we would need to do is move the carriageway, yeah, yeah, move the curb line out to the carriageway <coughs> to achieve that greater width. And of course, what we can't do is move curbs out into the carriageway in isolated sections. That you, you would need to sort of do the scheme in a reasonable length, or even in its entirety, if you were moving curbs out to, to provide a constant. Um, you know, curb alignment for the uh, for, for the drivers and other users of the highway. Thank you. Um, thanks, Mr. Bradley. Uh, I'm going to take Councillor Lodge and then Councillor Fairhurst. First, if I can cover the cycle path as it's now fresh in our minds, I find that statement completely unsatisfactory. Es Essex have made a fundamental mistake here in in uh, in their their uh, agreement to this as a cycle path and I feel it's absolutely incumbent upon them to rectify the problem. That's, that's one statement. I should come back to then some... Um, and how we treat that, I'm, I'm not quite sure, because it's very difficult to try and make Essex do something in conjunction with a particular planning application, so we need some more considerations of how we do that. If I can come back to the, the main application then. Um, I have a, a, a couple of questions, <coughs> firstly. I wondered... The parking provision that's been, been referred to is, is underneath, is less than the requirement, as I, as I understand it. 
Um, and also, I'm greatly concerned about the triple parking. The triple parking will not work. You will not park three cars there. They will spill out onto, onto other areas. And so I feel very unhappy about the, the main application on, um, away from the, from the cycle path. Um, I wondered if I could have a, a response also then on, on the Essex parking standards on that, whether that triple does meet it and whether we are up to full Essex guidelines on parking spaces. And then um, the other question is, have there been any other changes to the garden sizes, for example, to accommodate this parking? Because I, 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 we don't have a comparator between this and the, the previous one that's easy to look at. And uh, I've been given a schedule by uh, one of the objectives, which I think we've all received, which appear to show that garden sizes have been um, reduced. So could I, could I have an answer on that, please, first of all? I'll, I'll take all of those to, to begin with. Um, so the application of the parking standards, I know we've got highways here with us, but the application of those standards is, is our job um, as the District Council. Um, I mean, you're fully entitled to, to form a view as to whether that's an appropriate parking arrangement. Um, what you then need to consider is if they're unlikely to be used, what's the consequence of that? Where are the cars going to park instead? And is that going to cause issues? And then if ultimately that's the case, then you know, that, that's we decide if that's something you'd refuse the application for. Um, moving on to the garden sizes, I've, I've addressed this in the report about the garden sizes. Some have been reduced compared with what's already been approved. So, I mean, it's um, so, some were already actually below standard and they've fallen a little further below standard this time as well. Um, but, I mean, it's all picked up in the report there. I mean, if there's any specific plots you, you wanted to talk about, then that's fine. But um, in general terms, it is covered there in the report. Thank you, Luke. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Vinicius. Come back, Mr. Chairman. Um, in a nutshell, what you've discussed and established is that the parking and the amenity sizes, in fact, are reduced and undersized. Um, and this points to overdevelopment, which was suggested. Um, added to that is the question of the, of the cycle path. And I'm afraid we here, I'm very pleased to hear that they are looking at, at cycle developments and the numbers of options and things for Essex and, and particularly in this area. But that doesn't help us here. We have to make a decision here about this application. And on the basis of the, uh, the overdevelopment, and by definition they're trying to grow it even further, I think we cannot possibly support this application um, it, on, on so many grounds. I would suggest that both when we, re we reject the redefinition of the cycle path as a footpath, and we reject the application of the process. And that's my proposal, Mr. Chairman. Okay, does anybody else wish to speak, or do we have a seconder for that refusal? Councillor Chambers I have as a seconder for that refusal. I'm going to clarify where I think we are here. Um, I think the lift is an issue for us with the new units coming forward on the roofs. I think we would have wanted to see a lift in those two buildings. Go uh, on, Mr Brown. Last for one then. If you want a lift... You yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to... I think we're going to do a... We're going to have a vote in a minute as to where we are, but I'm not saying that's a deal breaker. Yeah. I'm saying it's something that if they were included in an application that came forward next time, we would certainly look at it differently. Um, I, just let me finish. Okay, um, I think the parking is an issue for us. I think the amenity space and generally the nibbling away at the total 
scheme, if you like, is an issue for us. And so for that reason, let's take the vote separately on this. I'm going to go to a vote on the um, first condition, which was for the additional units. I'm aware that we would have, as a council, gained one affordable unit here. So we're shooting ourselves in the foot slightly. But that doesn't mean that if it came forward in a different form, we might be able to look at it. So, um, OK, so the proposal is for the refusal of the first part of the application. Uh, can I have a show of hands for refusal, please? OK, that's unanimous. <coughs> and moving on to the second part, for the uh, refusal of a change to the wording on the application for uh, a cycleway as opposed to a footway, can I have a show of hands for the refusal, please? I've gone too far. Sorry. All right. Okay. Yeah. Let's start again with the vote. Councillor Lockton wants to make one statement first. No, I. I'm not making a statement. I want to ask a question. Go on then. Uh, I want to know about the 106 minus for a cycle path because it's it's quite contradictory. And before I vote, I need to know this uh, because on page. Let me ask Mr. Brown to no, clarify. Can, can, I just, can you just carry on? Do you want me to carry on speaking? No, carry on asking the question, because I think you've got to point. Yeah, well, do you, do you know what I'm going to say? No. Oh, right, OK. <laughs> well, no, you, you interrupted. I just wondered if you knew. Well, it says here the developer is still complying with the condition to widen that strength, uh, stretch of footway, but it says something about um, £6,000. Uh, should be secured so that the feasibility design work or TROs are funded for a future cycle facility along the stretch of road. And then when I turn over the page, um, Transport says, uh, as no specific project has been identified and the need for a cycle route would not be a direct result of the proposed development, it is considered that this request is both unreasonable and unnecessary. Well, it can't be both. It's either going to be earmarked for uh, a future um, expenditure, expenditure. Uh, but here it's saying, no, we're not going to do it because it's, it's not worth it. So uh, could I have some clarification on that before I vote, please? But, yeah, sorry. On the, on the issue regarding the cycleway, what the county have requested is that, uh, you just heard what Mr Bradley just said about the cycleway, but have also asked that the developer contribute £6,000 towards a feasibility study, um, um, further feasibility study, which the applicant is prepared to do, I should add. As a planning authority, we think that's wholly unreasonable to expect a developer to sort out the situation of the county of Fittersick. That is why we think it's absolutely disproportionate for the developer to... This is where it gets very difficult, where a developer is prepared to do it, and as an authority, we can't let it because it's not seal compliant. And then, as far as I'm concerned, to put it bluntly, the county needs to sort the mess out that they put us in on this particular issue. If members decided to reject the variation of the condition, it makes absolutely no difference to the developer. The developer has to comply with this two section two, 278 and has to provide what me, what me and Luke are calling a way to the front, whether it's a cycleway, byway, whatever it's going to be, to the front. And it's for the county decide that that will not be a cycleway. And I, I totally agree with what some members have been saying. It's for the county to make that decision. 
you not you rejecting to vary the condition isn't suddenly making it a cycle way, but it means a decision has to be made in the appropriate place at a later date. So, so I'm much more content with you rejecting that if you wish to do that. <coughs> okay. okay, that's clarified it for you, James. Okay. In that case, we have a proposal for the refusal of that condition. Can I have a show of hands, please? Again, unanimous. Okay. And Mr. Brown's yeah. going to wrap it up for us. Can I just clarify what members have just done is reject the request to vary those two conditions. So what you've actually done is recommended the approval of development with the same conditions on as before. And what we would also now the issue now is we need to make a decision in terms of whether we have to reissue the decision. And I don't think we do on that basis because there's nothing to reissue. But the other issue regarding the other matters that were raised in terms of the variation of the 106 to include the Chesterfords, not just Great Chesterford, we'll have to speak to the applicant in terms of trying to make that happen. Because we would have made that happen had you approved this. And I'm not saying one should lead to the other, but one would have led to the other. And just to wrap it up, taking Councillor Chambers' point, I mean, it may be that we can get a cycle way through there that's at 2.4 or something, and we have a couple of squeeze points, but it might actually make it feasible. So if everybody could go away and think about this, then what comes before us next time might be acceptable. Okay? Okay, that matter is concluded. Uh, yes, go on, I will do, Mr. Story, because I know you have a good relationship with the Council and everything else. to comply with the two sub section 278 agreement which provides a two meter way doesn't it no the planning condition is is footway straight cycleway it, it's not but you know it's, it's an either or situation but it's but if we had had we, had we changed it to just a cycleway, or just the footway, then it would have been just the footway. So that would have been much clearer. <laughs> okay, thank you very much indeed. Okay, that matter is now closed and we'll move on to the next matter. <coughs> which is UTT 171444, full application, molecular product site in Thaxted. And Mr. Brown is going to take us through it. Hopefully this one is a, a little bit more straightforward. This is a planning application to vary the proposal um, for the redevelopment of molecular product sites in uh, Thaxted. Uh, works have started on the site, but the fundamental works that have been carried out on the site are uh, works to do with archaeology, um, decontamination. There's quite a lot of work, as well as the recording measures around the list of buildings. Members recall that this was a development to actually redevelop the site 
with a combination of the um, conversion of the list of buildings on this boundary, the main road here, and some new build within the site. It was a, it was a mix and it was approved for 29 dwellings. What the developer has, this is a two-fold change to the proposal. I know members probably don't like changes to planning applications as we've gone away and we've just spent a long time just dealing with them on before. This one's slightly different in terms of the first changes uh, relate to some of the changes to some of the house types. And hopefully I can clarify what we're actually doing here. If you look at uh, page 26, paragraph 3.2, it summarises the changes in the house types um, with the approvals in, in brackets and what's been approved. So we're going from one one-bedroom unit to two one-bedroom units, 13 two-bedroom units to 13 two-bedroom units, that's not going to change, nine three-bedroom units to 13 three-bedroom units, six four-bedroom plus units, but there are actually one five-bedroom amongst this, as well as one to one from one four-bed. So basically this is a slight mix, but it's still a comfortable mix in terms of still the link is still down round uh, ones and two bedrooms, it's, it's, still, it's just there's still more than half the units. And it, it's been accommodated by, on the whole, reconfiguring the units, um, you know, in, like in, in terms of the, the proposals, which includes uh, changing the internal layouts to actually provide one unit. So nothing more sinister, there's no, no sinister to any of this at all. Uh, the fundamental one that's changed has been, if I go through to Again, it's not that fundamental a change. It was a change to um, that unit, yeah. The, these units have changed from uh, the fundamental change, which would be from the three-bedroom to four-bedroom units and the two-bedroom to four-bedroom units. It's basically the utilisation of the roof space. We've heard that in terms of it. It is actually utilisation of the roof space without any significant increase other than, you know, 10, 20, 20 millimetres above to actually accommodate the rooms in the roof space. Um, that's all that's happened. So if you go back again to the layout, which... The layout of this proposal is slightly different in terms of, because of the constraints of the site of the list of buildings, we have more of a parking court arrangement in the, in the site as well. So what has happened is that has resulted in two or three units additional spaces being required and they've actually been provided within the court uh, because it hasn't been reliant upon on plot parking, which is quite unique. We don't usually go down that route. It's not really a preferred route. But in this one, because of the constraints of the site, we did have a parking court to the middle of the site. So the car parking has been fully accommodated. The guard sizes haven't changed because it's resulted in utilisation of roof space. One of the plots has slightly changed in, in width, um, but there's been no changes in the amenity spaces. The other changes are fundamental changes, well not fundamental changes, uh, technical changes to the list of building units here. Part of the conditions prior to development was for them to carry out a historic record check of the list of buildings. It's basically taken away of the whole modern fabric of the building to have a check. And whilst they were, whilst they were doing that, they realised there were some existing openings that weren't revealed until they'd carried out those works. And as a result of that, they reconfigured some of the internal layouts, so therefore it better reflects the historic uh, listed buildings. And that has not changed any of the changes in terms of the size of the units. So they are quite significant, a number of very small changes to the site in order for them to, but it's resulted in them having to stop 
slow down, if not completely stop on site. So this, this hopefully is an, an opportunity for development to be reset um, for them to carry on and develop the site. And the application is recommended for approval, Chairman. This is, we've got two applications, one for the full and one for this building. This is specifically for the full, the recommendations for approval. <coughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Brown. Um, we have one speaker, uh, Terry Frostick, from Flaxley Parish Council. Terry, you have three minutes. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, committee members. Um, we normally come to you to uh, object to an application. We've actually come here to support this application. This developer has been uh, very open and honest with the Parish Council. We've put a lot of time and effort into this design and we feel this, this design is, is the best for this difficult site. And Thaxter Parish Council unanimously supported this application and we ask that you as committees also give due consideration and support to it, please. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Um, I've got you down to speak on the listed buildings, but I presume your uh, comments would be the same. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, we have no other speakers. I'll throw this open to the floor. Councillor Freeman. And thank you, Chairman. If you go to the elevations uh, on this site, it looks like a, a good site and nicely planned. But I don't see, and it may be difficult to read, uh, any evidence of either solar thermal or solar photovoltaic uh, panels on those roofs. Now, I thought that was a standard thing that you're supposed to have nowadays. Maybe you're not. Uh, but there doesn't seem to be any uh, attempt to use those nicely sloping roofs for that purpose. And the other point is that I don't see any reference anywhere to an electrical charging point anywhere in the, for vehicles, uh, which are vehicles of the future. And there's about 20 odd dwellings in here. Uh, and of course you can retrofit these, but they have a very high current density, so it's something you really need to plan at this stage rather than uh, retrofit, which is often involves digging up ground and putting cables in. So just those two questions to the uh, officer, please. Mr. Brown, can you answer those now? Um, it's not a standard to insist upon uh, solo photos solo uh, within the site. That's not a requirement. Um, it would have been a judgment that we need to have made, bearing in mind this is a adjacent to this building, but that is not a requirement. And electric charging points the, the guy to my right, certainly they're pushing for it regarding the the, 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 the upcoming as it's design guide issues, coming up regarding their own local plan. It will be something that we will be becoming quite fundamental in terms of going for the future. But again, this is revisiting the proposal. It's only a year or so back, but again, that is the future, but probably going back on this one is probably more reasonable. Councillor Freeman. Sorry, Councillor Fairhurst. My apologies. <coughs> Thanks, Mr Chairman. Um, yes, I think it's probably a good idea. I think the, the solar panel and electric charging points should be something we consider ourselves in terms of future developments. But this development seems to have all of the, trade and the trademarks of, of a good development. It has sensitive, sensitivity to the, to the listed buildings and, and I think, uh, are we told, decent amenities and, and parking spaces. So I would, I would suggest we propose to, to accept this application. Okay. Does anybody wish to speak before we are? You're seconding it, Leslie? Okay, I have a proposer and a seconder. In that case, we'll go to the vote. Uh, all those in favour, please show. Again, unanimous. Thank you very much. And the listed buildings, Mr Brown. 
absolutely nothing to add. Just that the list of building applications just covers the specific works that were to the list of buildings along the boundary. So nothing else to add other than that's recommended for approval to Okay, in that case, um, Councillor Fairhurst, are you happy to propose on the listed building? And Councillor Wells to second. Uh, mm. Can I have a show of hands? Okay, again, unanimous. That matter is closed. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Our next application is uh, for the former civic amenity and granite site on Thaxted Road and uh, Mrs. Shoesmith is going to take us through it. <coughs> okay, Maria, when you're ready. Thank you, Chairman. Just before I go ahead, uh, members' attention is drawn to the amended um, conditions which I've circulated um, this afternoon. What I will do, I will go through them um, later on to uh, go through the proposed amendments to make it a bit easier. Um, members will be aware uh, of the planning history of the site, or well, most of you will be. Um, the application site is located on the edge of Saffron Ward and on the northeast side of Thaxted Road. Planning permission was granted back in 2013 for um, a number of retail warehouse units, associated garden centre, a discount food store and a cafe with associated works. Um, the Aldi store uh, phase of this extant consent has already been built out um, and is located here within the application site, leaving the rest um, of the site um, to still be built out. So there is currently an extant consent which could still be implemented on this site. The application that we have before us now seeks to vary uh, the approved consent um, or MIP conditions. Um, these relate specifically to conditions 8 and 27 of the original consent, um, of which I have um, listed out within the report of what those conditions actually state. Um, the approved consent... Um, the, sorry. The amendments that are actually sought uh, would seek amendments to the layout of the scheme uh, in terms of floor space and to allow goods um, to be um, more goods to be sold in certain um, units that are being proposed in response to an identified potential user um, of the units. As a result of this, this would allow an increase in the range of goods that can be sold from unit two, uh, which is this unit here. Uh, whereby 10% of the floor space can be used for the sale of convenience or food goods and 5% of the floor space can be used for the sale of toiletries. The sale of the goods from the retail units is not currently permitted um, or is restricted as a result of the uh, previous application and the conditions attached to that. Um, that's been discussed in paragraph 3.2 of the uh, report. Together with the, these amendments, um, the as a result of the conditions being varied, 
Um, there will also be amendments to the parking layout, um, which will be slightly altered to allow for more parking spaces. Uh, the proposed cafe uh, would be reallocated. It was originally allocated here on the site and is now proposed to be relocated here. Um, also, the size of the stores have been altered. These have been um, broken down and highlighted within the report on page 62, paragraph 11.9. Uh, this uh, That table also shows um, specifically what was approved, what is proposed and the difference in the floor spaces as a result of proposed amendments. In terms of what's been proposed in terms of the layout, I'll just go through um, the layouts in a, a bit more larger scale so you can see it. So as you can see, um, the proposed cafe is located here with Unit 2, which would consist of a mezzanine floor uh, within this unit. Um, re unit 2 and uh, an additional, additional retail unit uh, 3, which is located there. In terms of the appearance of the units, these are no, um, no real difference to what was already approved in terms of um, the overall height scale and the appearance. Um, and this is what units 1A and 1 would look like. This shows you a cross-section of the ground levels between, um, between this site itself. And to give you some um, scale, uh, this is the existing food store and in comparison the, um, the height levels won't differ too much between the two. Since the writing of the report, um, the Town Council has circulated further comments. Um, whilst raising no objections to the application, they have raised concerns with regards to streetlights that have not been connected since they've been installed uh, several years ago and the pedestrian refuge which has not been provided. These matters are all Section 106 matters, of which will continue to form part of the Section 106 agreement should planning permission be approved. In terms of the principle of the scheme, this has been previously accepted and is not considered um, an issue uh, with regards to this application. The proposed amendments um, are discussed and broken down within the report in Section 3 and further within the report in paragraphs 11.2 and 11.9. The Council's retained retail consultants have assessed the proposed amendments and what impact uh, this is likely to result in. The amendments to the floor space um, are minimal, sh um, showing an overall reduction in floor space by um, 99 square metres. The impact of this has been assessed and it's been concluded that there would not be significant adverse impact upon Stafford Warden Town Centre as a result of the uh, proposed changes. Um, some subject to some minor alterations to the proposed original conditions which have been attached to the previous application, which uh, is necessary to ensure that the proposed development would not give rise uh, to harm to the vitality and viability of the town centre. On this basis, the proposed development uh, and the variation of conditions 8 and 27 are considered um, acceptable um, and should have an acceptable impact on the town centre in accordance with policy. In terms of highways, um, the car parking has said um, there will be additional parking spaces provided. The parking sizes are below standard, they are to an exceptional standard size. Um, this, however, has been previously approved and agreed as part of the 2013 application 
um, as stated, that is extant and is capable of being implemented um, at the moment. In terms of what the amendments would mean to traffic generation, these figures um, have been discussed in detail within the report in Section C, and it's been concluded that the lower figures, um, it's lower than the figures previously um, considered uh, within the extant consent. No objections have been raised by the Highways Authority. In turn, no objections have also been raised in terms of um, any impact upon the air quality as well. Uh, on the nearby AQMA. As mentioned above, the previous Section 106 agreement relates to highway improvements um, and travel plan which form part of the 2013 application. Again, this will be transferred over should planning permission be granted. All other matters in terms of contamination, flooding and ecology have been addressed through the report. As a result, it's been um, concluded that the scheme is acceptable and therefore approval is recommended subject to the amended circulated conditions and the transfer of the 106. In terms of the proposed amendments to the conditions um, to that which has been indicated within the report, um, I'll just briefly go through them. Condition 5, um, this has been amended to provide clarity um, to make it clear that um, the approved plans as they stand and have been provided as part of the application namely the proposed mezzanine floor that's been uh, proposed within Unit 1 is acceptable. Um, sorry. Sorry, apologies. Um, the, it's to clarify that the fences that have been provided as part of the scheme which have been indicated along here and along the perimeter of the site are acceptable and are approved, but however, no other form of fencing or enclosures is acceptable without um, the requirement of planning permission. In terms of condition six, um, the, the second from last, um, sorry, the second from last line, um, where it reads, um, convenience food, an or has been added, uh, so it's either convenience or food of no more than five percent. Uh, sorry. Um, and no more than 5% or 82 uh, square metres. So an or has been added in that condition to provide flexibility. Conditions 22, 23, um, the plan which has been specified, um, it, it was marked out as being revision G. It's not revision G, it's revision Q. And that's both on condition 22 and 23. And the numbering has gone slightly awry um, on conditions 25 and 26. So 25 has been broken down into two conditions. And an additional condition 28 has been added with regards to the um, cycle uh, pedestrian link, which forms part of the application to the front of the site. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, thank you, Ms. Shoesmith. Uh, we have two speakers on this application, so I'll take... Um, Mr. Terry Frostick first, who now appears to be from Saffron Walden Town Council. You obviously have many hats. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Members, the Town Clerk unfortunately cannot be here today, so we thought it important that an officer came from Saffron Walden Town Council to speak. We're very brief. The Town Council does not object to the application per se. They do have some concerns regarding the street lighting and the pedestrian refuge because you are introducing a CAF to the site which will be heavily used by 
users of the skate park and the, and the leisure centre field, which will increase pedestrian traffic. And I would think it's absolutely essential that pedestrians in the evening going to the CAF need to see where they're going and cyclists. It is very, very dark down that road and very fast. The other point is no mention has been made of the 40 mile speed limit that is currently shown but is obviously not enforceable. And that needs to be picked up as well, please. Um, so the Town Council would like to see, as per the letter I think has gone out, that consideration is given to the street lighting that we put in to make this area safe for all users, especially the youngsters from the skate park who will be using the cab, I'm sure, as they use the little store at the moment. So thank you very much, Chairman, members. That's all I wish to say. Um, and we have the agent's representative, uh, Mr. Mark Harris. <coughs> Mr. Harris, you have three minutes. Thank you, Chair. Uh, the proposal before you represents a significant opportunity to complete the redevelopment of the Brownfield site. It was first permitted in 2007, renewed in 2013, and saw the construction and opening of Aldi in 2015. It's in the freehold control of Granite States Group and represents a credible and deliverable scheme which will provide a number of important benefits for Saffron Walden and the wider area. These include the creation of new jobs for the local community and inward investment by the prospective tenants. There will also be jobs created during the construction phase. New retailers will provide improved choice for the local area, bringing their offer to a more accessible location for local residents. Is at the scale that are complementary to the town centre and it will also offer comprehensive visual improvements replacing an empty plot with a well-designed collection of buildings complemented by landscape and infrastructure improvements. The application is for relatively minor amendments to the 2013 permission including a reduction in overall floor space by 99 square metres. It's been part implemented so the principle of retail development has already been established. Importantly, as demonstrated in the officer's report and explained this afternoon, it's entirely compliant with your development plan and the MPPF. There are no sequentially preferable sites in the town centre that can accommodate it. The limited scale of the proposed amendments to the goods means there's no material change in the impact on Saffron Walden Town Centre, which has been reviewed and corroborated by your council's independent advisors. It's also been the subject of extensive assessment with your officers and Essex County Council on highway matters. This has resulted in an amended proposal that has an acceptable impact on the local highway network, which has actually been identified as being lower than the permitted scheme. It also has an appropriate level of car parking. Picking up on the Town Council's comments, Granite's understanding had been that the, the District Council and Town Council did not want the streetlights to be switched on, but the County Council actually did. Now, since then, Granite's consultants have been in discussions with the statutory provider regarding the power being provided and do have a quote for powering those lights, which were provided during the, the pre commencement construction phase in accordance with the Section 106. The pedestrian refuge is also part of the bus stop works and, again, as part of the Section 106 agreement, will be undertaken by practical completion towards the end of September 2018. Subject to the outcome of this afternoon and the planning process, the applicant wishes to commence with the proposal at the earliest opportunity and open the units for trading by Christmas 2018. This will then realise the considerable economic, social and environmental benefits of the scheme and complete it. Thank you again and I respectfully request you support the Office's positive recommendation.
thank you, Mr Harris. We have no other speakers on this matter, so it's open to the committee, and I'll start with Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, as a, 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 a matter of, um, I suppose, how we run things, tabled conditions, uh, which we've only now had a chance to look at, I'm sure they're very good conditions, and I'm sure there's a very good reason for them being tabled, but landing on the desk at the time when you're considering the application is, um, you know, I think, to be avoided. And indeed, we've just had a, 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 a seminar or whatever on poverty, and in those guidelines, that's one of the things that it says. Is actually, we don't table things at planning committees because the members don't have time to consider them. But concerning this application, Chairman, um, certainly uh, the, the parking spaces are interesting because we've just now considered that uh, a previously granted application where the spaces were smaller than allowed, and then you come forward and say, well, actually, that's okay. Of course, it was granted before. I think we should actually get our thinking straight on these matters because if a developer comes back, have an easing of a condition, then actually the easing of the condition means that the application should be considered under the current guidelines and planning law, not under the planning law existed whenever in 2013 or 2015 or whatever. Uh, that's a consequence of coming back and asking for an easement of conditions in my view. Uh, and this is an area where they have a lot of traffic. It's traffic that's changing places quickly of course there's a retail park. Uh, and making the places smaller simply because it's a matter of convenience for the developer and you can get more floor space in for the retailer. I don't think that's a good answer. Uh, I, I, so I'm certainly opposed to having substandard parking spaces, uh, at least for normal vehicles. Um, I note that they put one charging point in there. That's a bit of an absurdity nowadays. Uh, of course, electric cars are very commonplace, increasingly commonplace, and it's government policy to make them commonplace. So one charging point is a bit of an absurdity. There should be at least two. And concerning the famous Thaxted Road street lamps, or absence of them, uh, this is now in a dark part of the town. You drive out of the town into darkness and you get to a retail park. It's the sort of thing you might find in parts of the United States. It's not what we do in the United Kingdom. Uh, and those lights need to be fixed urgently. There's pedestrians, there's cyclists, there's motorists, and it's a fast road at the entrance to this site fast road because the speed limit doesn't apply until you get almost to the roundabout outside the North Butler Leisure Centre. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's an accident waiting to happen. So there's urgent things that need to be dealt with there. Certainly the street lights, I would like, to, I, want, I really want to see them embedded in the Section 106 agreement. There's no good reason why that shouldn't be the case in my view. Uh, I think the, we should look again at the car parking standards. Of course, I think they are not satisfactory and we're very good at doing that. We did it with the Ridgen site when they moved their, um, into their new retail unit there, substandard as well, but again it was all right. Uh, and as I say, it would be good to add at least one more electric charging point. That's just recognising future demand. It's future-proofing the thing. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Councillor Freeman. Uh, anybody else? Looking around? Yes, Councillor Fairhurst. Chairman, I just, uh, just I wonder, you know, Councillor Freeman has pointed to two issues. The question is, are these issues that we can um, condition on this process, or are, are we committed to this? I mean, I think of the, the development itself, we, we're already moving towards that. But um, I totally support the fact that we are lowering our standards and requiring more and more undersized parking and so on. And, and I'm concerned the slippage continues. 
So the question is, do we reject this proposal on the basis that it hasn't met those requirements, um, that the lighting hasn't been suggested, and that we're increasing the, 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 the we're making the site more developed, which is wonderful, but, um, or is it something we just take on, just keep on talking about every, every planning meeting and, and uh, don't do anything about it? What, what, what is the recommendation here? Uh, I'm going to take the two points separately. Um, Maria, can we just have confirmation that the applicant is basically stating that the lights are going to come on in the short term? And what is that short term? Um, it's confirmed that the lights will come on. They will, um, they will connect those lights up. They are bound by the Section 106 agreement, which, which has been transferred throughout all the planning consents that have been granted. But obviously they've got an extant consent at the moment. Um, should this application be approved, then they will sign up to the original 106. It's transferring over to this application, which they're bound to um, put those lights um, in order. And obviously highways will ensure that that will happen as well. So what's the trigger for those actually coming on? Prior to occupation of the units. Prior to occupation of the units. Okay, so that basically is going to meet what you're asking. There will be the lights will be on before the application or any occupation of that site. Councillor Freeman. Thank you, Chair, for letting me come back. But it's an important thing to get right. You only have one. We only have one chance to get this right. Um, when we say the lights, the lights to which I am referring are on the Thaxted Road, and uh, if that section should be lit all the way up to the entrance to this site. Now at the moment there are um, there was an attempt at putting lights in there which failed and we have it from Essex Highways the people we meet with regularly that there is no question at all of street lamps being put into that section of road. It's not budgeted for, it won't happen. So it will only happen as part of the section 106 and section 106 has to have lights all the way up to the entrance of this site. Can you confirm that that is the case? The lights um, have to relate to the development and it will be on Thaxted Road outside this stretch of the development, so it will be around the site itself on Thaxted Road. Sorry Chairman, we're sliding around the point here. Further down towards Saffron Warden, towards the centre of town, there are lights that are dead. They are not wired up. They have seen them function once or twice. Um, but then I think they, they, uh, it was because of a failure of a firm Section 106 required them to be um, installed. We need lights all the way down the road until it actually reaches the build-up area where there are street lamps anyway. Is, is that what we're going to get? Um, Matt, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, just, to, just to pick up on that point, there were, there were two developers involved along Thaxter Road um, and, and you're quite right, there's a section of lighting at the, at the bottom of the road which is also reliant on sort of obtaining power from the same source at the, uh, at the top of the road. That, that, that is the sort of under, under, underlying issue. You're quite right, the developer of the development at the bottom of the road, the Kiln Court development, the live work unit type area, um, yeah, went into um, receivership, I understand. And, um, and at the moment, Essex County Council are in the process of pursuing the bondsman in, in that regard, um, independently from, from what we've just spoken about here. Sorry, Chairman. What that means is we'll get a bright patch of light opposite the entrance to this retail park and then you'll be plunged into darkness again before you actually get to the decent LED lights that you've put in on the roundabout uh, opposite the leisure centre. Is that what we've got? That's what we're going to get? Um, 
we would that, that wouldn't be the case because we would need to ensure that there was a comprehensive scheme of lighting along there that met that with the, with the required standards. Um, it, it's a, it's a, there's an implementation team um, sort of beyond my involvement in the scheme that then sort of become involved in the sort of delivery of this on the ground. What I shall do is, is report back on today's findings with them and they're sort of pursuing um, those things as we speak. Councillor Lodge. Thank you. Just a little bit of ammunition for you on that. I was in uh, conversation over probably six to nine months with the uh, then cabinet member for highways. Um, I was shown a project plan for implementing those bottom lights, which was to be finished in January of this year. Um, uh, I, I left office uh, after that and, and uh, did, did, didn't uh, pursue that. I've handed it on to a degree to my successor. But that project plan is in place. I think it's incumbent upon Essex Highways to get that going in the very near term. There is no reason for that delay. A project plan was in place and Essex have accepted that they have to put the lights on which are lower down Thaxted Road. So I'd be grateful if you could take that back, uh, please, ma'am. Uh, Councillor Chambers. Chairman, I'd just like to propose approval. Okay, does anybody wish to speak before I take a seconder on that? And I'm going to take some clarification from Mr Brown on the lights, I think. No, no, not about the lights. I'm not getting involved in lights. <laughs> <laughs> um, just picking up Councillor Freeman's point, you mentioned the fact about electric charging points. It's within your gift right now to change the work condition 24 to 1, 2, 3, 5, be reasonable, but you have the right, because things have changed, simply because of the passage of time, um, that the electric charging point will be. So you can change, you can, with the, with the consent of the person who's proposing, to ask for that condition to also be varied. Right with three. I'll tell you. Because you forgot to turn your phone off, we'll make it three. All right. Is that right? Okay. Okay. If we can amend in that, then uh, I'm happy to take a seconder. I've got a seconder from Mr. Davy. Okay. Uh, can we go to a vote on that for an approval? All hands, please show. Everybody in favour? Okay, good. Thank you very much. Thank you. Five minutes. Okay. Just a five minute amendment. Uh, adjourned. Excuse me. <laughs>
Okay, we're back. Um, UTT 17 2480, outline planning from Sabre House, Dunmo. Mr Theobald to take us through it. Thank you, Clive. Thank you, Chair. This application for outline with all matters reserved except for access is to demolish all buildings and remove the commercial uses for this site and for residential development for up to nine dwellings. Now, the indicative site layout drawing shows how a scheme of up to nine dwellings of mixed house types could be accommodated on this site, whereby the site development would have a maximum density of 20 dwellings per hectare for a nine dwelling scheme, although it should be emphasised that the scheme does not seek the described number of dwellings but up to this number. Now, the site layout shows a 5.5 metre shared surface road leading through the centre of the site to the rear from an existing frontage vehicle access at a separate smaller entrance serving a smaller number of dwellings directly up the highway, also from an existing frontage access. Now, no elevation drawings have been submitted for the proposal uh, except for the street scene elevation which shows a frontage of one and a half storey and single storey scale dwellings which could be representative of scale of this housing development. Uh, just uh, members who were there this morning will be familiar with the site, so I'll just run through those quickly. The existing bungalow on the left-hand side, the commercial buildings on the right, screening to the uh, eastern boundary. To the rear of the site where obviously a discussion took place with regard to its status and there is a solid uh, boundary to the north of that just returning round obviously reflecting the airport parking and so forth just uh, some housekeeping chair um, members attention is drawn to the fact that Essex County Highways were formally consulted on the application, although did not provide a formal consultation response to the Council, but instead provided an email response not objecting to the application on highway safety grounds, and setting out specific highway access requirements relating to highway widths and radii, which is why the response does not appear in the officer report in front of you. Their response was as follows. I quote, the shared private drive access to the west of the site should have a width of 5.5 metres for at least the first 6 metres from the back edge of the carriageway. The access to the east of the site should have a width of 6 metres to reflect the emerging road types with a radii of 10 metres. Footways should be provided around each side of the radii, tempering into a straight section of the shared surface. Given this response, where no objection has been raised by county highways, it is considered that these highway requirements can be subject to an additional highway condition in addition to the standard highway conditions as already included at the back of the report, where the indicated site layout, which you can see, would allow provision of this requirement, where in fact the shared driveway is showing a 5.5 metres width in any case, but obviously adjustments to be made if necessary, at the front of each access point onto the highway. It is the case 
as existing the highways in England were also consulted in this application, it did not raise any highway objections to the proposal, although it did not recommend any specific highway conditions. So, uh, rather unusually for this application proposal, we've got no objections for both highways in England and also county highways. In terms of assessment, the report in front of you recommends approval in principle for this proposed housing scheme submitted in outline form on the basis that the site represents previously developed land where which does not represent a protected controlled site where it is considered that housing would make more efficient use of the land in line with government advice relating to building on brownfield sites and which would also in the view of your officers represent an environmental planning gain for the site subject to a suitably designed housing layout being subsequently submitted at reserve at the stage as no highway objections have been raised to the proposal, subject to the aforementioned highway conditions, and as the site is not at a risk of flooding. It is therefore recommended, Chair, that the application be approved with additional highways condition as recommended by Essex County Council Highways. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Mr Theobald. Um, we have no speakers on this application, so therefore it's open to you, Committee. Uh, Council Fairhouse. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, just two things. We were there today, and, and, and it looks like a site which is, is, is um, fairly okay. It covers all the basics. Um, but it is a site of a fairly busy highway. And it worries me, and it should worry this committee, that we, we are here to make a decision with clearly no input from highways whatsoever. It's very easy to say we've got no comments, but the comment was there's no formal response or recommendations from highways. So this is something that, that interests us all when we're out there today, and now we we, we be on a sort of on a, on a in a vacuum. Can I ask just what is the situation with highways on this? Yes, um, County Council. Sorry. Sorry. The uh, County Council did respond to the application proposal, where they had uh, suggested a drawing be submitted for um, their comments to reflect the. The, uh, the width of the shared access road going into the site and also showing the radii. Uh, but if that was not the case, then that could be uh, submitted on a, a accompanying drawing as per a condition on any plan permission granted. Um, we sometimes get these uh, comments, particularly of late, where they're not uh, commenting formally uh, and sometimes it is for us to either accept those comments um, on, on the basis of what they've said or, or not. So, um, bearing in mind they have not objected to the application in principle, uh, the, the requirements that they've put forward can be dealt with by way of a, um, an access um, drawing submitted by way of a discharge of condition, um, I believe, on any plan permission granted. Councillor Fairhurst, I'll let you come back then, Councillor Lockler. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, it is very unfortunate because we are here to try and assess the situation. We're not highway specialists, and if we're going to assume this on the basis that they haven't told us what to do or what their position is on the process, we're sort of feeling in the dark. This is a critical issue. If it wasn't material to it, if it was a, if it was a city issue, the highways wouldn't be that important. This is an issue. It's a material issue. Um, my strongest thought at the moment is that we should defer this until highways come and do, does their job first. Otherwise, we're in a situation where we're going through these processes and we don't have input from highways. I, f I feel that this is, we're not in a position right here 
to form a decision on this process on a material issue to, to this application. And on that basis, I'm, I'm afraid I wouldn't be able to make a decision. Mr. Brown, I'm going to let you take that. Yeah, whether that... I do share your concerns, to be honest. Not This isn't aimed at the planning officers. Um, I'm concerned that highways are doing this, that they're coming in with... They either should be commenting or they shouldn't be commenting. Obviously, they should be commenting on this. Um, I can understand why they're not objecting to this proposal because of the history of the site and when you go on the site all you see is cars so the traffic flow from the site is going to be less I don't, but then there needs to be some science around this for them to actually demonstrate the fact that bearing in mind the use of the site the trip at least they think therefore they would appreciate the use of the site therefore the use for residential will be less so I fully appreciate what you're saying there um, but now, whether that requires us to defer it in order to get some proper comments from highways is, is another question. Um, but um, I think highways, quite rightly, have got no objection to it, but it's, it's down to members to judge whether they've got enough information from highways. Um, I'll put my two pennies in. I, I did have a look at the road this morning. We are on a very straight section of, you know, section of road. I think the applicant may have to fiddle around with the uh, turning circles and the splay lines, if you like. But the fact that this used to be a petrol station, therefore had in and out and a lot more traffic movement, it now must have over 100, 150 cars on the site. Therefore, the movements are going to be less. Um, so I don't see that necessarily as a reason for us not proceeding at this stage. If we asked highways to carry on, then it could be six months or a year before they actually commented. It's cart before the horse. I'm not saying it's necessarily right, but I think we should consider the application on what we've got before us at this stage in the knowledge that further information will come forward later. Um, anybody else on that? Councillor Chambers. Mr Chairman, would it be possible to uh, um, send a polite letter to Essex County Council saying it would be most helpful if you... Uh, I'm quite happy to send an impolite letter to the County Council if that's what members would want us to do because it's, this is, they should not be putting officers and members in this position. I totally agree with you. Uh, Councillor Lockman. Councillor Chambers is going to come. I was going to propose approval, Mr Chairman. I know you were, that's why I cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> Councillor Lockman. Thank you, Chair. Um, well, my concern really is the commercial side and I did speak about this yesterday but um, it says that uh, the outline proposal seeks planning permission in principle for the demolition of all existing structures on the site, the cessation of all commercial units and the erection of up to nine dwellings and the parish council have objected um, because of local job losses uh, and that was a concern. It did seem to me that, that there was work going on on the site. The commercial uh, premises were being used. They weren't derelict or anything like that. And I know that we used to have to have a condition, or, or we used to say that they had to be advertised on the open market for six months if they were empty for somebody to come along. But this seems to be that you know these people are going to be put out of their commercial premises to build nine houses. Uh, which to me doesn't seem the right thing to do. So I just wondered if I could have some clarification, please. Um, just for your information, this is in my ward, and I'm aware that Sabre, as such, aren't operating any longer. No. So it's only the airport parking, and as we understood, there was one operator there who was acting as a um, an attendant whereby recording cars in and out. So I take your point, but it's only fairly limited, I think. 
Um, Mr Brown, if you'd like to clarify the requirements of the six-month advertising. Well, it is not a protected commercial site. Um, it's not a, it's that, that's part of the issue. And also, it has acquired its commercial status. Obviously, not all of its commercial status, because it was a petrol-filling station and everything on car sales. Um, it's got a number of these uses through stealth, through certificate of lawfulnesses and stuff like that. But the, the, the fundamental issue is it's not a protected employment site. And on those sites, you need to be advertising it for six months. And so that's, that's a situation where they didn't have to actually go through that, um, that, that um, process. Councillor Chambers. Oh, and Councillor Freeman, before you say what you're going to say. Councillor Freeman. Thank you, Chairman. Um, this is the second time today we've seen an example of the County Council, in my view, reneging on its responsibilities because say, well, you, you can decide, we'll let you decide on this matter. And that is a very busy road. I happen to know it's actually quite favoured by bikers because you get tremendous speed along there without a lot of other whatever. Um, and actually, it's development in the countryside, as the parish council points out. Uh, it's not sustainable in that respect. You have to get in the car to go shopping. There's nothing else around there. Uh, and so, on the face of it, you can say, well, actually, it's okay. It's just nine houses um, on a brownfield site. But actually it's not okay because it's a long way from any sort of shops or services or facilities. And that may or may not be uh, arguable for nine houses, but we quite often use that argument that's not sustainable. And I think that road needs much better treatment. The access points need much better treatment than the competent authority saying, well, you do whatever you want. We're not really interested in this. I think they need to be made to take their responsibilities seriously in this. I'll clarify one point for you. It's on a bus route, okay? So therefore, that would count for sustainability. One a week, perhaps. <coughs> Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. I think we should also correct Councillor Freeman on saying it's a greenfield site. It's not as proud as you say. Brownfield site, and uh, brownfield land is very hard to come by. So, building houses on brownfield sites when they're available is something we, I think, probably would wish to do. Um, as for unsustainable, well, it is within a few minutes of Dunmow Town Centre with all the facilities that that offers. So, um, I think it's a relatively sustainable site. I agree there's nothing in the immediate vicinity, but it, it's uh, relatively uh, sustainable in my view. And uh, I feel I'd like to propose that if the uh, application should be approved. Okay, I'll note that, but I'm just going to take some other comments first. Mr. Thank Brown you. and then Councillor yeah. Riles. I'm going to pick up Councillor Freeman's point for not to argue it, perhaps slightly to agree with it. Well, to agree with it is for members to judge this. This is a brownfield site, there's no question about it. But I think you could say that it is an unsustainable location. So the balance here is whether or not the, the emphasis is to the reuse of a brownfield site. But I do not want people to believe in this chamber to say this is a sustainable site, it's a sustainable location for residential development because that is not the way we want to go. But members need to make the point is, you're quite right, the best use of brownfield land uh, is, is something that we need to be doing. So members just need to be mindful of that. that it, don't try to claim that this is a sustainable location because it's not. Mr Theobald. Thank you. Uh, sorry, Chair, just to um, correct... Uh, said, um, 
this, this actually isn't on the main bus route, so I'm not wishing to sort of uh, damage my case, but the, um, there may be a bus that goes past here from time to time, but the main bus route is number one, number 133, and that goes uh, from Felsted round the loop and then comes back up at Dumbo, which is to the, the west of this site. So, just as a thank you for that, Mr. Theobald, you're quite right. Uh, Mr. Lodge. Thank you. I think I need a flag or a whistle. Um, should we be minded to, to approve this? Um, could, could we make it subject to our application to Essex Highways for a formal response on this and their detailed um, uh, decision on, on, the, on the design of that junction? So, so, we, so it's in fact subject to that and that, that comes through prior, prior to the, uh, the approval is finally, is finally given. Yes, we can condition that, and I think uh, what we ought to do is uh, for the condition to say um, before any reserve access application is submitted, so it's tied in with the, the outline application. Okay. Are you happy enough? Uh, yeah, gentlemen. Uh, yes, be an amendment. Uh, well, it will be. It will be an amendment to the approval. No, it's got to go back. To Sorry, Chairman. It's got to go back because we have a proposal. It's got to go back to the proposal to agree to that as an amendment. Okay. <laughs> Are you happy with that as a, an amendment to your proposal, Councillor Higgs? I'm very happy with that, Chairman, thank you. Okay, does this application find a seconder? Councillor Chambers. In that condition? Condition. <laughs> In that, uh, can, we, can we therefore go to a vote on this application, please? All those in favour, please show. Councillor Davey? No way, John. There you go. Unanimous. That matter is concluded. Um, we'll move on to UTT 172611. Luke Mills is going to take us through the application. Okay, Luke, when you're ready. Thank you, Chairman. The application site is located off Franbury Lane in Newport and comprises a former garage groundwork <coughs> site. The District Council owns the land. The application is for planning permission to erect four two-bedroom houses with associated parking and gardens. Although not a requirement of the planning authority, the dwellings would be affordable homes for rent. The site tends to be used for vehicle parking, but on an informal basis, so there is no need to replace lost parking spaces. Nevertheless, the applicant proposes the formation of three new driveways for those properties that stand to be affected. They're shown on the plan here. These are the new driveways for these council-owned properties. The proposed houses would have a traditional appearance with external finishes of red brick, render and roof tiles. These site section drawings demonstrate the relationship between the development and neighbouring properties. So on the top one here we've got the bungalows off Franbury Lane and then these are the houses to the rear off Cherry Garden Lane. 
As set out in my report, all relevant planning policies and material considerations have been considered and it is recommended that planning permission be granted. Thank you, Luke. Very brief. To the point. Okay, we have speaker Judith Snares from the Housing Department. Judith, you have as long as you like. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, Chairman, I won't keep you that long. <laughs> um, thank you, Chairman and members of the Planning Committee for allowing me to speak in support of this planning application for the development of four council-owned affordable rented homes. Um, I will not go into matters relating to design, context and form as has been covered um, more than adequately by the Planning Officer's report. However, I feel it would be helpful to provide a little background as to the history of this site how we will assist with parking for the locality and details relating to the consultation process. Firstly, this site is known as a garage ground rent site, which is where people pay ground rent for an area of land on which they construct their own garage. I would reiterate, therefore, that this site is not formally designated car parking area. The garages that were on the site were demolished by the council approximately eight years ago. And as members will have seen from this morning's site visit, a large proportion of site is overgrown with scrub and it is not used for any purpose. Part of the site has been used by local residents for car parking on an ad hoc basis and primarily by the occupiers of 48, 50 and 52 Frambury Lane. You will appreciate therefore that the application includes new parking areas to the front of these properties to help alleviate these residents' loss of parking. Furthermore, the residents of 40, um, sorry, of 50, 54 and 56 Rambury Lane will continue to be able to access their existing rear par car parking following completion of this development. The Council undertook a community consultation exercise regarding our development proposals for the site. The proposals were predominantly very well received by the occupants surrounding the site on both Rambury Lane and Cherry Garden Lane. The consensus of opinion was that the land in its current state has attracted antisocial behaviour and therefore this new development will rectify this problem and provide greater security to the community as a whole. The proposals were also presented to Newport Parish Council and members will be aware of the Parish Council's support of this application. In terms of the existing hedges and trees, members should note that these will be kept and improved upon in order to improve and maintain screening and also to soften the whole impact of this development. Furthermore, the visibility display at the access point to the site will also be upgraded as part of the works. I would like to thank the committee for your time in listening to my representations on this application. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. Um, we have no other speakers, so I'll throw it over to the committee and take Councillor Fairhurst first, then Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Mr Chairman. We did see the site today. It was an interesting site for a number of reasons. I think the developer is well known to us. Um, it looks like an interesting site, but there, is, there were a couple of question marks at the meeting today. Um, the first question was, why not six houses or five houses on the site? Because it does lend itself to, to development. Generally, when we sit in the committee here, we, we are faced with overdevelopment by, by overzealous developers with a profit motive. But our job here, in fact, is to, to, is to develop homes and to develop quality homes, ideally for affordable, affordable homes at that. And when I look at it now, the question shouldn't really be whether we should go for four, five or six houses, but whether we are actually doing the best creative, creatively with this piece of land. Now look at now, look at it's a fairly large piece of land with two, effectively two entranceways, one on the, on what's it called, fr what's it, uh, Frambury Lane and one, and one called, 
not Brilliano, but it's called the other one. Yeah. 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 Um, and it just seems to me that we have already got one, two, three houses on that site, council owned site, um, and a site that probably, probably bear eight or nine houses on that site if we did it properly. But there's also another piece of land which isn't owned by the council, the developer, um, which would also be included and increase the access to the land completely. So are we really doing the best with this as planning officer? We're simply tick-boxing the exercise, getting four more houses into the process. Um, if we go along with this, we'll have four more houses, and I think it's fine. It's a great developer as it stands. We could do better with it. Thank you. Okay. The Chambers. Well, Mr. Ch uh, Chairman, we've been talking about uh, social housing and uh, rented accommodation for young people. Uh, I think this is an excellent scheme. I do know the site extremely well. Uh, and I would like to propose approval. Thank you very much, Councillor Chambers. I won't take a seconder yet because uh, a couple of other people want to speak. So, Councillor Lachlan, and I'll come back to you. Uh, thank you. Well, I notice that it says small market dwellings. Is there any way that we condition these that they stay for rent for local people or, or uh, owned by the council? Because, you know, with the right to buy, we in five years' time we could lose them which is always a worry, and then we will lose our rented property. So uh, I'm getting a nod from Mrs. Snares. Does that mean that we cannot say that they will stay with the council in perpetuity? Uh, I'll let Mr. Brown answer this. Okay, thank you. On behalf of you. That's the main problem we have. <laughs> the answer is no, we can't. Right to buy is in, in, entrenched in law, and you can't change it. Well, you can change it, but not here. <laughs> Uh, Councillor Chambers. Can I come back on that? Mr. Yes, you can. Um, uh, and you, I was very impulsive as usual. But you went early. <laughs> but if we were to build bungalows, we could keep them, could we not? Because our policy, unless it's changed, we don't sell our bungalows, do we? Sorry, can I just remind members? This is the planning committee, um, and. Much as we'd love, and Judy sitting there, and I'm sure Doug as well would love to double the amount of houses and make the most use of the land, which they are trying to do, that is for another place. We need to consider the application in front of us. Now, whether you think three times as many, four times as many, and try to tackle the right to buy, I'm sure that is something that our housing team are doing, but you do need to concentrate on this as, as a planning application in front of you not try to do Judith and Doug's work for them because this is some quite fundamental so the, the, we do need to stick to the planning issues here. Councillor Chambers and then Councillor Lockham. I respect that Mr Chairman. Uh, I'm just trying to do what I think 99% of the people in the district would want us to do and, and that is my concern is that I, I fully understand what Janice said is, and yes, I hadn't thought about it because I'm impulsive, don't mind admitting that, but if there is a way that we could keep them in our possession and give young people or whoever it is, or old elderly people a chance to live there, then, then we should try and accommodate it because it's our land. If it wasn't our land, there's nothing, there's nothing I could do. That's up to the developer or whoever owns the land. But because it belongs to the district council, that's slightly different. I'm going to take Councillor Riles first and then Councillor Freeman and then you. I've had an idea and it's a bit dangerous. 
Um, but I'm just wondering if we could use some of the vehicle that we have within the, the council for investments and things to take ownership of these and thereby uh, and then lease them back to the council and avoid the ability of the occupants uh, right to bank. Uh, I, I understand what you're saying, but again, those ideas are for another place. Right. At, at this stage, we've got to consider this particular application. I'm sure, I'm sure everybody else will take it away and reconsider having been given this approval if we make it. Okay, so we make the decision today based on what's in front of us. That doesn't mean that they can't take it away and potentially, if possible, improve on and or do other things. Okay, Can you I happy enough with that? No, you can't. <laughs> one more question. Why did you, uh, why was the application for a sixth dwelling scheme uh, withdrawn in April? Luke, would you like to answer that? Thank you, Luke. I'll take that. Um, so, the issue with the sixth dwelling scheme, a number of issues. Uh, there are things, issues with um, overlooking of properties, inadequate parking space, uh, garden space and things, parking. Uh, I can't remember the rest off the top of my head, but it, it's all the kind of issues when we apply our standards, and it's important to recognise that just because it's a count, uh, district council-owned development doesn't mean we can wave goodbye to the standards. So we need to apply these as we do to every other application. So it didn't comply with standards, and therefore was in a position that I would have to recommend refusal of the application. So then what happened was the, um, yeah, the applicant went away and redesigned. We had some dialogue as well to settle on suitable scheme, and this is what arose. Um, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, so that the best thing we can do, actually, is judge this application yeah. on its merits as we see it. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Freeman. Yes, I am always in favour of judging things on their merits. But, um, um, I think it's interesting that we've been hoisted over tarred here because this may be the only example where we've strictly applied all the rules and regulations uh, because we're doing it for ourselves on our own land. If we were as a developer, we come and ask for four and probably get them or six, and then they'd be back here again uh, saying it's not viable, we need seven or eight or nine, and then there'd be various other conditions. We've had That happens all the time. We spend half our time in this chamber on planning, uh, considering reapplications by developers, and we generally speaking give them what they want. Generally speaking, they get it. Now here, if you look on the map, not so much that map, but if you look at the map that's on the back of your report, there are lots of tiny houses there, um, which people live in quite happily, I imagine, and you could in your mind's eye pick them up and put them onto this space of land, and you get up to about a dozen in there. And they were probably built in Victorian times or in the 30s or whatever. But I, I'm, I will obviously vote in favour of this, but I think we have squandered an opportunity. Uh, by okay. well, I, I take your point, yeah. uh, and I will hope that we haven't squandered it because this doesn't stop another application coming forward. Okay. okay? So um, I have, if everybody's happy enough, I have a. Sorry, I have Councillor Lockley, who is not happy. <laughs> Perhaps I want to do a bit of river dance, so you know I'm here. <laughs> I was going to ask if we refuse this. No, all right. If we refuse this today, and a member of the housing team is here, judging by what we've all said, and certainly what Councillor Chambers said about bungalows, if we refuse this and ask them to come back with another scheme so we could build bungalows and keep those bungalows in the ownership of the council, 
could we do, well, we could do that. I know we could do that. So would that be a way of them not five years' time disappearing to, uh, onto the market, the open market? Mr Brown's going to clarify. You will reduce us by four houses that were perfectly acceptable on this site. If you approve four houses on this site today and you go out there now, there won't be four houses there tonight. There will be messages quite given that you have not squandered any chances by allowing four houses. The applicant, as in Uttlesford, has got the right to come back and request an application for three, four, five, six, seven bungalows, however what you want to do, and we will consider them because it is the council's duty to try to make the best use of the land that they've got. You've currently got an application for four in front of you, which everyone obviously thinks acceptable. So just determine this application, but you are not squandering any opportunities. And can I just also pick up Councillor Freeman's point? We keep those same standards to all detail. When we have a developer, whether it's Uttlesford or whether it's any developer, we keep those standards the same. We are not just imposing these standards on Uttlesford's applications. We do this on all applications. And, and, and I think that's a really unfair comment to actually say that offices would only pick on our own plans. I'm sure Councillor Freeman made that comment based on perhaps what we've seen before us today. Maybe, you know, because we've had a couple of applications which have varied conditions. I'm going to let Councillor Lockham come back before I take Councillor Hicks. Well, I don't think I could vote for a scheme when I think there could be a better one out there. And another application is, is council land and housing department could just as easily come back with a scheme that will be better for everybody in the future. This is short term. And of course we won't get houses tomorrow. It's going to take a while to build them anyway. We can't just wave a magic wand. But in that time, a better scheme could come before us that we could hang on to for the benefits of our residents and not for somebody who might come down the line and buy it. Uh, and it won't be low cost because no house nowadays is low cost. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. I'm sorry. I think it was he meant well. <laughs> Mr Chairman, what is rather good about this discussion, although it has been fairly creative and, and constructive, is that this committee is at one. We all seem to we know what we want to achieve here. And the question is really whether we go ahead and approve this or we reject it for the same objective. We all want this thing to be to go ahead. We like what it there. We don't want it to be sold for five years. We want bungalows and so my suggestion strongly is we reject it and then they come back with something better. Yes. And can I just clarify, if we approve it, they can still come back with something better. Okay? So at least they've got a presumption for development. Okay? And that's the important thing. All right? So no no, no let, let, another application can come back and supersede this if there is a better application to be had. Uh, Eric. Thank you, Chair. Um, I think we're all aware that on this planning committee, which you, know, you have the pleasure of chairing, there, there's a, there's a lot of, there are a lot of very brainy individuals who have a multitude of skills, and we all tend to think that we can reinvent the wheel and do it in the, in the way that it happens to uh, appeal to us best at the time and so we try to do everybody else's job for them whether it's designing the fascia of the house or anything else um, but I would suggest that on this occasion we do the simple thing accept the fact that the housing department I am sure 
exerted every effort to get as much uh, accommodation placed on this land as was feasible and, and they consulted the planning department and I'm quite sure that we should place our faith in the fact that the officers of the planning department did everything in their power to accommodate the requirements of the housing department but w were constrained by the constraints which apply to every planning application. So um, in my view, um, let's back the officers and say this is what, we, uh, what you say is the best way of doing it Let's let's vote for it. So I, I would propose that um, approval. Well, I've done that already. Have you done uh, it? Well, I'll second. Uh, Councillor Counts Chambers already proposed. Do you have to second it? Right. Okay. I have a proposer and a seconder. Can we go to a vote, please, for this application? All those in favour, please show. We have a unanimous approval. Oh, sorry. I didn't look. <laughs> Uh, uh, we have nine for and one against. Sorry, Ben. That uh, application is decided. Moving on to UTT application site located here. Um, the application is a retrospective application for the erection of a boundary fence which is located here um, fronting Harvey Way. If I show you um, what was originally um, on site, this was the original fence that was on the um, application site before us and since then it's changed to this. Um, in terms of the overall height of the fence, it's um, two metres um, from the ground level uh, to the top of the fence panels. Um, in consideration of what was there previously, the additional height um, and where it's located, the scheme's considered acceptable subject to condition uh, regarding its staining in a dark colour. Um, however, it's um, say recommended for approval subject to the amendment of the condition uh, which allows the fence to either be dark stained in brown or dark green and for the last sentence to be deleted which says failure to do so uh, would result in enforcement action being taken. Um, this is in order to make the condition um, compliant with the six tests. 
Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Maria. Okay, we have no speakers on this application, so it's over to you, committee. Uh, lots of hands. Hang on. Okay, uh, I'll start with Councillor Lodge and work my way around. How dare? <laughs> Councillor Freeman. Oh, how dark? I thought you said how daft. <laughs> I'm close to nearing a hearing aid, but maybe we could go together. <laughs> sure. Uh, okay. Um, Maria? Um, well, ideally, <laughs> as dark as that, if not darker. However, we could amend the condition to ask for that detail to be submitted to us for approval. Yeah, I'm happy with this uh, recommendation and the condition. I'd like to know what the why the final sentence has been removed. You referred to a sixth condition, whatever that is. Uh, six tests, um, which is um, what conditions need to comply with to make them. Um, you have, have to consider whether they're necessary, reasonable, um, relevant, um, enforceable. I forget the other two <laughs> off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, they need to comply um, with um, regulations to make sure that it is uh, a suitable condition. But, but can I just add, by the taking that sentence <coughs> off doesn't mean that if they don't comply with it, we won't necessarily take it forcefully. Well, I'm happy to propose approval, Chairman, when we've all finished. Uh, Councillor, does that find a seconder at this stage? It does. Okay. In that case, we'll go straight to the vote because I don't think anybody else has anything else to say. So, all those in favour, please show. That is unanimous. Okay. Sorry, can I just quickly clarify? Is that requiring details of the level of staining? Yes. Yes. Chairman, I always say not requiring details. As long as it's darker, it's a, compared to that, it's a far it's a great improvement. Thank you, Ms. Chew Smith. And I think you've also doing um, the next one UTT 172048, uh, listed buildings consent for works on this building. Thank you, Chairman. Yes, uh, the application um, is a listed building application relating to our council offices. Um, sorry, if I just show you what that is. Um, where the loading bays are to the rear of the site, uh, a freestanding air conditioning unit is proposed uh, with um, white metal ducting, which will come from the, re uh, from the air conditioning unit um, along the rear wall of the building into the building itself. Now, the listed building application only relates to the ducting itself, not to the freestanding um, air, condi air conditioning unit. Um, the details itself is considered acceptable. It would uh, match other um, downpipes that are located within the vicinity. It's not considered it would affect the setting of the listed building and therefore is recommended for um, approval subject to the conditions on page 113. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, thank you, Ms. Shoesmith. Um, Councillor Fairhurst? I would propose for approval if it's a uh History and the Conservation Officers have been moved. Okay. A seconder? Councillor Riles. All those in favour, please show. Unanimous. And Janice. 
Um, I'm going to move the UTT 172498 forward and then we'll take the Chief Officer's report last. This is not an agenda item, I think. 2498, it's not on our agenda. Not on yours? It's not on the agenda, Chairman. And it's not on the... Yes, John Councillor Davis just said it on there. There was a supplementary agenda item. But it's not on the agenda. It's not on the menu. Okay. It did. Well, it's not showing at the moment, Chairman, and it wasn't in the pack that was released. It was in the pack that was released. It was... Sorry. It was... What happened was the agendas was... The agendas were sent out. This came out, and almost immediately afterwards, probably a day afterwards, it went out. And so it is, and that's... So it did go out as an agenda item. Okay, happy to accept that. That's not on the master list. <coughs> if it's not, on the, it's not on the master list, but I think we've all had the uh, amendment, or hopefully we have. And if we're happy enough to take it with the details we've got in front of us, the tree issue, we do need to take this because, and it's quite serious if we don't, because we are recommending refusal for this. I should add because it's absolutely. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm happy. We are. Well. Uh, we have, we have, I mean, there, is, there are people what, on the back of the iPad. Yes, that's how we've got them. They were sent out by onto the iPad and they were sent out by they were. Well, I've got, I so therefore it is, it has gone out within the timescales as part of the agenda. So we're not doing this under sufferance, but it is a tree application and it is absolutely critical that we consider it. So members have got the hard copies in front of them and at the very back there is the photograph of the tree. If you can look at Eric next to you, <laughs> Right. If I can assist please, Mr Brown, yes, yes, yes. in any event it would be regarded as a matter of emergency business. But I... <laughs> okay, well we will proceed. Uh, Ms. Shoesmith, are you no, going to present? No, no Mr. Me, Brown, me Mr. Brown is going to present. Well, present's a strong word. Um, this is an application... Hang on. I'm sorry, I must declare an interest. Okay. Um, and I think it's better if I leave the room. Because um, father is a great friend uh, of mine. Yeah, I'm aware. Yes. Um, and I think it would be sensible if I declared an interest. Okay. I, I really appreciate that, Councillor Chambers. Yeah. No, I I can put it together now. Yeah. And, apologies, and apologies to all members because at the end of the day, had we got this on the agenda in the first place, we would, it, initially yeah, it, you were now supplementary stuff. So apologies. I think you are. No, that's fine. If you're going, can you hurry up? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mr. Brown. Right, this is a an application. Uh, this is in front of you because it is a former district councillor. Um, the application is to fell a preserved walnut tree 
and members will see that on the picture at the rear. Um, there is absolutely no justification to fail this tree in the view of the Health Council's tree officer and he has, um, his recommendation is to reject the application. So the application is to fail the walnut tree and the recommendation is to uh, reject that application. Okay. Uh, no speakers? Councillor Lodge? And Councillor Lodge. Thank you. Um, just, just to say on, on the process, I accept that we should, we should do it, but in fact, if you have a look at the Council website, it's not even on there now. So we, we, we've got a bit of, bit of process to, uh, to, to look at. We'll, we'll um, take it as an emergency matter. Yeah, but just to say, uh, a question first of all, why, why is it an emergency matter? Mr Brown? Um, actually, having looked at this, if we deal with this as an application for the works to a tree, if members deferred this, for instance, it doesn't mean that he can fail the tree, does it? I'm not sure is the answer why the implications that we've had previous situations before in terms of confirmations of TPOs and if you deferred that you're actually saying it's not a TPO. Also if you have to confirm works to trees in a conservation area, um, if you don't do that in a statutory time or TPO them, then they become, you can fail them. I'm not so, I, am I genuinely am not clear whether or not that's the situation if you're dealing with a TPO application. And I don't want to go away from here with it being deferred and it not be an emergency, just in case you've accidentally given someone permission to... Okay, so, so coming back after That's my question, yeah. uh, we've, uh, we've dealt with this ad nausea and I'm, I'm extremely aware of the, the situation. I would uh, propose the refusal according with, uh, with officers' recommendations. Okay. Um, Councillor Lockman first, before I take a second. Well, I was just going to ask, uh, it doesn't say on here, does that um, include any um, cutting off bits of the tree? Trimming at back, or is this just felling? Because I think that needs to be well, clarified. Well, he, he has applied. He has applied for the felling of the tree, and if members reject that today, he's rejected the felling of the tree. He would require permission to carry any more works for the tree, and he hasn't applied for those. And uh, you basically have said you, you're in the situation where he can't carry any works for the tree. Okay, thank you. <coughs> okay, I have a proposal. Does this find a seconder? Seconded by Councillor Freeman. Uh, all those in favour of refusing this application, please show. Right, I have nine. Obviously, Councillor James has left the room. Okay, that application is refused. We will move on to Mr. Brown's submission of the Chief Officer's report. Thank no, nothing to report around this, only that we, this is the, on page 115 of the agenda we have the, the appeal decisions over since, actually since April through to now in terms of all the decision made members. I've made a point of raising ones where members have made the decision and or whether they've made decisions against recommendation and you'll see that Bartholomew Coast was rejected, this is on page 118. Uh, that was refused against officer recommendation and the appeal was duly dismissed um, because of, I think that was around relationship issues and that was part of why members refused it. Uh, London Road Newport members will be aware that that application uh, was allowed on appeal following inquiry. Uh, part of the reasons for refusal on that one was, uh, which members raised, was issues regarding um, lost, uh, highway safety issues. Um, 
procedurally we we reduced we we took away that we decided that we weren't going to as officers through the normal measures that we weren't going to defend that um, we got accused of well we got actually found that we had uh, acted unreasonably in in, refu in re removing a, a reason for um, a refusal at the last minute. However, the applicant also had to put up forward the highway safe, highway safety issues because they were all six party in terms of the parish council. But at the end of the day, the matter was was uh, allowed. Uh, so there's one one that members went against us and we won. One we went against us and we lost. Um, there is the, also the Warden Road one. The reason why that is just there has been allowed is because there was the original refusal reason, which was at officer level, we refused it, uh, brought it back to this committee with the intention of recommending approval because they'd overcome the refusal reasons. Um, it was the original appeal that we approved, that we refused under delegated powers that was refused. But that one was allowed, but I need to highlight that one. There was no costs awarded on that one at all. Um, I'm happy to take questions on any of those or any other ones that were on the list. Anybody, any questions? No? Okay. Well, under those circumstances, I will. Janice? Yes? Okay. No, what about this brand? Okay, outside the meeting? Well, I can keep it, I can put it inside the meeting or outside. No, go on, then we'll take it as a. It's not to do with the appeals, though, is it? No, okay, go on. Right, okay. Um, well, at lunchtime, uh, we had a workshop on property, and Mr. Pugh was, talk was talking about 106 agreements. And at one time, the committee used to get attachments to the agenda, and a lot of us do remember that, uh, on the progress of agreements and 106s. But we don't get that anymore, and I wondered if it was possible for that to be reinstated, because it does give us an idea on the things that are happening on the decisions that we've made. Uh, especially pertaining to 106s. I can safely take that away. Um, that was obviously something that Christian did previously, and I'm, I'm quite happy to, to set that, up, uh, that arrangement up again. I have no problem with that. Oh, thank you. Okay, well, thank you very much, everybody, for attending. Our meeting closed at uh, 4.22. Thank you.